Welcome to About Empathy, a podcast that focuses on patient, caregiver, and healthcare providers' experiences with serious illness. I'm Dr. Irene Ying. I'm Dr. Dori Sekaracha. And I'm Dr. Giovanna Siriani. We are physicians working in palliative care and psychosocial oncology at Sunnybrook Health Sciences Centre in Toronto. Our clinical experiences have taught us that there is great wisdom to be learned from the stories of the people we care for and work with every single day. This podcast gives voice to the patient and caregiver experience and what these stories can teach all of us. Today's episode is centered around helping patients find meaning and preserving dignity in the setting of serious illness. Beyond the physical symptoms and suffering that our patients may experience, there can be emotional or existential distress that is not well recognized or alleviated. It's critical that healthcare providers identify and address these psychological forms of suffering that can often be hidden. We are joined by two guests today with training in dignity therapy and meaning-centered therapy. Dr. Jennifer Moore is a palliative medicine consultant working at Sunnybrook Health Sciences Center since 2010. Jennifer is board certified by the American Board of Internal Medicine in internal medicine, geriatric medicine, and palliative medicine. She trained and worked throughout the United States before moving to Toronto. Dr. Moore trained in dignity therapy in May 2013 and participated in a dignity therapy research group at Sunnybrook from 2013 to 2015. She continues to provide dignity therapy to patients at Sunnybrook. Claire Suarez is a Canadian-certified physician assistant working in the inpatient oncology service at Sunnybrook Health Sciences Centre for the last five years. She recently completed a Master of Science, Community Health, in the Department of Family and Community Medicine at the University of Toronto. She's currently co-principal investigator for a research project on existential distress in oncology inpatients and was trained in meaning-centred psychotherapy at Memorial Sloan Kettering. So welcome, Claire and Jennifer. Thank you so much for being here today. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. So I think our listeners would be really interested in knowing how you got interested in this work about helping patients who are facing a serious illness find meaning and preserve their dignity. Maybe we'll start with Claire. How how did you get interested in this? So I actually had one patient who was having a really tough time, you know, just making sense of why things were going wrong with his cancer journey. And it was really time to consider palliative care. Um, There were no systemic treatments left, but he couldn't even bear to hear the term, you know, symptom control. So I actually had worked with one of our psychiatrists who specializes in uh, psychosocial oncology. And he actually used techniques for meaning-centered psychotherapy to help this man you know, figure out what his values were and what was meaningful in his life. And just from those sessions, he was able to actually come to terms with palliative care and even choose to go to the palliative care unit. So, you know, I just feel that a lot of times, you know, working in the hospital, you know, we go through these big changes with patients and it almost seems like you can either drag them through it and it becomes this horrible experience for them or you can take what matters most to them and use that to guide them to the next stage that's when i saw how important meaning and dignity is to patients and why i think it's so important in daily work so it sounds like that was a really pivotal experience for you that kind of shifted the way you have these conversations absolutely you know over the last few years i've had a lot of 
goals of care conversations with patients. And some patients, I guess, are a bit more introspective and are able to come to terms with what's happening. And it's, I guess, easier for them, I don't know if easier is the right word, to move on to the next stage. But for other patients, you know, you really have to help them find that dignity, help them find meaning. Mm. I think that's why I found patients kind of feel like they're being forced into something. Mm. So that's where I found dignity and meaning to to mm. be a common ground. Jennifer, is that a similar experience for you yeah. or what's it been like for you? I think similarly to what Claire is saying, it really started for me with the patients and seeing patients struggling to find meaning and to process what's happening to them and then the contrast of seeing patients who, you know, objectively, I think us as healthcare professionals would find their situation quite grim mm-hmm. and difficult and in, in being inspired by the meaning they themselves had already found for themselves. And I think seeing the, all these different patients, some struggling and some just finding meaning in simple things that were an inspiration to me, kind of opened my thoughts to, you know, there's something here, what it what is going on for one set of patient or one person, and that they're able to find mm. meaning at a time where objectively other people would, would not be able to find mm. meaning. So I think that was my, kind of the foundation of my curiosity about that. And then hearing Harvey Chochinov speak and reading more about his work in in dignity therapy was kind of an aha moment for me mm. in moving forward and figuring all this out and what, what I could do to help. I guess we should mention mm. that Harvey Chochinov is a psychiatrist in Manitoba who really did a lot of this groundbreaking work in dignity therapy. For the listeners who you know may not have the time to do this extra training like you guys have done in meaning-centered psychotherapy and dignity therapy. When you first meet patients um, and you have this discussion and you you create that relationship with them, what are some sort of go-to questions that you might use with them to start that conversation Mm -hmm. around eliciting meaning in their lives? That's a great question because I think in looking back before I started Um, becoming familiar with the method that Harvey uses, I think I made mistakes in trying to impart meaning to people. And I think the key message I would say is to realize this is their, their exploration and process of finding meaning. It's not my job to point out things that are meaningful or I think should be meaningful to them. It's more I, I use the method more if I'm not doing the actual structured dignity therapy of questions, asking them, you know, what is meaningful to them, what means most to them before their illness, you know, how that's changed and how that's impacting them. So it's more question focused and letting them guide the process rather than I liked what you used, Claire, about dragging people through the experience. I think that that's a common approach that healthcare providers do, and we may not even realize we're doing it. We think we're being helpful. Mm -hmm. And even just like asking them at this moment, like what, you know, what keeps them going? Because if you think about it, like 
a lot of patients who are admitted to hospital, a lot of them are suffering quite a bit, and yet they're still positive or they still have hope. So you just just asking them, like, where are they drawing that hope from? You know, what makes all of this worthwhile? Mm-hmm. So that's that's a place to start. And realize that it's a process. I think as the outside person, we, we want to fast forward through it and see them get to the end and mm-hmm. to know that suffering and grief is a process. Mm-hmm. And it's not our job to speed it up as they're exploring and looking for meaning. Mm-hmm. Do you find that sometimes, I mean, when it works, it's so wonderful, right? Mm -hmm. When you you ask that question and you feel like you're making progress and that they seem to be getting a lot out of thinking about what brings meaning to their life. I think I've struggled the most when there's, and it doesn't happen often, but it happens when you just can't, no matter how hard you try, Mm -hmm. they struggle with, they've had such a challenging life. And they're telling you, I cannot find meaning in this. And I personally, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like, I'll, even I think, oh my gosh, even if Harvey were right here beside you, I, I, what would he do? Because there are some people, I'm not yeah. sure they, they've had pretty hard stories. And right. I can see how they might not be able to do this the same as many other patients can. Have you experienced that? Definitely. I think there are some people that they're not going to have the outcome we would like or we hope for. And that's really difficult for me, like personally, because Mm I, you know, that's why that's why we're doing this is we want to help people and we want to help them find meaning or um, even some joy or peace. Yes in this journey but sometimes it's not going to happen and then I I just have to remind myself okay this isn't about me and my disappointment and hopefully I've added value and some sort of meaning in just listening to them and Mm -hmm. honoring them where they're at and not I mean I think the one tempting thing is to try to push them but sometimes I worry that that gives them the message that they're doing this wrong exactly. <laughs> or there's something yeah. wrong that they haven't been able to find the meaning. That's so right. I, I just try to check myself and remind myself yeah. that maybe just honoring and listening and accepting yeah. them and their story yeah. for what it is, even though it isn't the pretty story. Yeah, That's hard. Yeah, but it's very hard. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes just, you know, people can be kind of, stuck in a situation and so yeah I think just you saying Jen like if you listen to them and honor them then maybe you you are adding meaning to their life sometimes I find like if patients are just feeling very hopeless even if you're there and you show kindness to them yeah and you just ask them you know what it is that you can do to help them for that day then maybe it'll start to remind them of what, you know, what has been meaningful in life. Yeah. I had a patient once, he, I dreaded seeing him every time because he was one of those people yeah. who was really stuck. And I never thought I made much progress. And to my surprise, I got a thank you note after his death from his wife to just say, you're the only one who didn't look like you wanted to run out mm. the door yeah, that's in the so appointment. Important. 
and it changed things for us at home. And I had no clue. But that was really helpful. And I kind of, I have kept that note and kind of remind myself Mm, of that when I run into similar situations. That's so powerful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Were you able to get some more details about how it helped to change things for them? I didn't follow up after the note, but she just said, you know, things were easier at home. Mm. He knew he had a place where he could go and talk about this. I think that's so powerful Mm -hmm. because I think when we do the courses, I kind of came away hoping that it would work a certain way almost every time. But I don't think that's possible, humanly possible. So what you're saying is I think when we persist, and even if it doesn't feel it's going the way we hoped, Mm -hmm. we can still be making a difference. And I think that's nice for young learners Mm -hmm. to know know. that when you learn something and you kind of do things a certain way, it's very helpful, but you're not always going to get the outcome, Mm -hmm. but don't uh, get discouraged. Mm -hmm. That can still be helpful. Exactly. Yeah. We end all of our podcasts with If Only They Knew. So what do you wish healthcare providers knew about helping patients find meaning or preserve dignity? Because I don't think this is something that's like broadly understood or appreciated in medicine. So is there something you wish most healthcare providers knew about this work? I think I would go back to what I said earlier, Mm. is that it's not our job to prescribe it or Mm. to impart it. Mm -hmm. What our effective role can be is to ask the questions and actively listen Mm. Or is there something even you thought patients, maybe patients or caregivers, you'd want them to know about this? Some patients will shy away from talking about meaning Mm. because either they think it's not as important as their physical symptoms Mm. or they think that it's too heavy. Mm. So they'd rather that it just kind of stayed hidden. So what I want for patients to know is that it's okay to talk about it. Mm -hmm. It's actually helpful to talk about it and try to, you know, really explore meaning in your life as you're going through all of this. People have time to talk to you about it. As for healthcare professionals, I think sometimes we shy away from talking about meaning, maybe for practical purposes. There's that fear that, you know, you'll end up kind of getting sucked into an hour long Mm -hmm. conversation all the time. And it's not always that way. Like I've found that, you know, even just taking like an extra five minutes to talk about things with a patient and continuing that conversation every day as I see them is actually more helpful than just sitting down and chatting with them for over an hour. Mm. So it's something that you can maybe like inject into your practice. A good point you brought up, Claire, about uh, patients oftentimes sort of wanting to focus on their physical symptoms or the disease treatments as opposed to their like psychological well-being those two things are so intertwined Mm -hmm. we see often see patients who are very anxious or their mood is low and that's impacting that they feel weaker or their pain is worse and so oftentimes I bring that up to my patients as well that we have to try to treat things from all directions Mm -hmm. both psychologically and physically to get the best results Mm -hmm. so I liked your point there about it's not a dichotomy of one or the other, right? But right. trying to treat the person as a whole. Yeah. And I think for patients who are a little more hesitant to talk about the psychological part of things, sometimes starting off with their physical symptoms helps. And then kind of seeing from there, 
maybe they'll open up. And I found lots of patients open up when we start talking about pain or nausea or shortness of breath, because then they'll talk about how much it impinges on their quality of life or what their life was like before all of mm. this and how they have had to change. Mm. So it's a gateway conversation. Mm-hmm. I think patients sometimes think, oh my goodness, they're asking about my psychological well-being. That means they're giving up on my physical health. And I think putting it in a way that shows people, you know, we're interested in this not because we're not here to give you the best care. We're here because we want to give you the best care. And in order to do that, we need to look at both sides. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you, Claire. Appreciate you coming today. Thank you. Thanks. We're going to take a short break. You're listening to About Empathy. About Empathy is recorded at Wellspring. Wellspring Cancer Support Foundation is a network of community-based support centers offering professionally-led programs and services to help people living with cancer and those who care for them overcome the many emotional, social, practical, informational, physical, and functional challenges that typically follow a diagnosis. No referral is necessary, and Wellspring programs are offered free of charge. Visit wellspring.ca to find a center location near you. About Empathy is made possible through education, research, and scholarship grant funding from Sunnybrook Health Sciences Center. Sunnybrook is committed to patient engagement and care. By partnering with Sunnybrook, we hope that this podcast embeds patient and family experiences in all teaching and learning. To learn more about the education initiatives of Sunnybrook, visit sunnybrook.ca. So welcome back to About Empathy and today's episode on finding meaning and preserving dignity. Irene and Dory, I wanted to get your thoughts. I think what they were talking about is really important, but I think doesn't happen a lot in medicine, these types of conversations. So I wanted to get your thoughts about what Jennifer and Claire were saying. Well, I was just really impressed with both of them. I think they brought out the important parts of whether you're doing dignity therapy or just using the questions as a guide from dignity therapy and also meaning-making therapy. But when I was listening to them, they obviously have an approach that they tailor to the patient. And I loved Jennifer's answer about, you know, when we always hope for a certain outcome, Mm -hmm. but when we don't get that outcome and someone is struggling with finding the meaning in their life or what's happening to them right now, her approach is, you know, yes, it's hard and just sitting with them and being present because they may have had a really difficult life and just being there with them. And no matter the little things we do, we don't always know how important they are as well. Yeah, I think it's a really good point. It makes me think of how, you know, in palliative care, you talk a lot about the idea of a good death. And it makes me think about how when people make decisions that they want to have aggressive medical treatments at the end of their life. And those treatments might include going to intensive care or being on um, a breathing machine. And those decisions are, are kind of made and people make comments about that not being a good death. But in fact, for that person, that might be their good death. That might be the outcome that they want. And they perceive that as fighting until the end. And so it's that idea of not putting our own perceptions or wishes or what we want the outcome to look like on others. So to me, is analogous to that. So I think it's a good reminder. Mm -hmm. I think oftentimes that 
kind of assumption is so insidious, though. Like, mm. we're not even aware. We're trying to do the best thing for the right. patient. And I think oftentimes I will hear about this in the context also of going home. Oh, the patient, you know, they can't just stay in the hospital because it'll be better if they're at home mm-hmm. or if they die at home. But it might for, not be. It might not be. And for some people, we may not want that for ourselves, but... Like you said, it's better for them if they die in the hospital. They feel more at peace in that circumstance. The other thing that I really liked about what Jen mentioned was you need to let them find Mm -hmm. their own meaning. And it's easy to say, well, you know, what about your family or what about this? But that can, I think, be tricky and backfire on you. And you need to kind of let them come to their own conclusions. And that's the way it works best. And it may not work for everyone. Mm. For some people, it just won't. And not feeling like those are failures on your part necessarily. For me, it was that story about, you know, she would go in the room, even though it was hard, right? Because there's these rooms where you just feel you're not doing a lot and going in is hard. It's hard on the patient. It's hard on you. But then in the end, you got that thank you card. And that's why you don't always know in that moment the impact you're having. Exactly. And to just keep trying. And there's no one outcome that's ever guaranteed. Mm-hmm. I don't want healthcare providers or learners who are listening mm-hmm. to think that if I don't have training in dignity therapy or if I don't have training in meaning centered psychotherapy, well, this is not my work or it's not right. work I should be doing or it's not something I should be talking about. You know, I don't think that's the case. I think in medicine, sometimes we think if we're not super specialized or have that training that it's not something we should be doing. I think just being with someone and listening is all our work. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think you have to have that training to be able to help someone find meaning. There's a very simple, elegant question called the patient dignity question. And that question is, what do I need to know about you to provide you the best possible care? You don't have to have training in this to ask that question question and to know what their priorities are. It's universal, Mm -hmm. right? I want this to be accessible for people. The, The idea that this is, it's all our work. It's not just the palliative care doctor or the psychiatrist or the psychosocial oncology team. And it can be done no matter where you are in the clinic, when they're in the hospital, when when you're providing care at home. I mean, that one question is such an important question. And it might springboard to other things. And for someone to have the full dignity therapy is wonderful. And that can make a huge difference. But that's not accessible to everyone or it's not what every patient wants. Mm -hmm. The meaning-making therapy, again, people who know how to do that, that can be Mm -hmm. very valuable. But again, I think just knowing some of the questions and really, to me, both those therapies talk a lot about the same thing of listening and honoring the patient's story and helping them live with what's happening to them, right? Absolutely. The other point I like that Claire brought up was sometimes helping them treat what their priorities are. So if they're saying, you know, I want my pain treated, I'm having so much pain or some other symptom, helping them through that, getting them to realize that you're on their team, that you are listening to what their priorities, what their agenda is. And once that's done and you have that rapport, they may be a little bit more Mm -hmm. open in discussing what's meaningful to them because that's a little bit more intimate and not everyone is going to be comfortable with sharing that right off the bat. 
So it's an opening and it's establishing a therapeutic relationship and a level of trust. Yes. Right. So I I think that's part of it. And doing that also, you can break things down into pieces. So that brings around the point that Claire made about doing things in sort of like a piecewise fashion. Mm. You don't need to sit down and have that one hour conversation. You can do five minutes here, 10 minutes the next day, and that can work very well as well. And it's such a concern in healthcare. This time, 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 time pressures. There's so many people to see. There's, I have limited time. And so this seems daunting. Yes. I think this idea of having this conversation seems daunting. So I just love that advice of, you know what? It could be just one question here and there over time. On the website, we can probably put a link up for something about dignity therapy because it's a very specific list of questions, but some of those questions individually Mm -hmm. are very helpful. And I've kind of tossed one in here and there in Mm -hmm. conversations I've had with patients instead of doing the whole thing. And to the meaning-making therapy, I found that as well. Some of the questions are just, even if you're not doing the whole Mm -hmm. curriculum, like just knowing some of the questions that they use are helpful. It's possible that now people who are coming through healthcare training are learning about this. I'm not sure if they are or not, because I didn't I didn't learn or hear about this until I started doing palliative care. And yeah. so I, I don't think it's something that people have exposure to. So I think even just yeah. kind of thinking about it and considering it yeah. and learning a little bit more about it, I think would benefit people because I'm not sure it's part of the curriculum. It's been a little while for me as well, but <laughs> I think mentioning it because it doesn't really come up in practice, right? You can learn about it in the classroom, but if you're yeah. face-to-face with a patient and it's not top of mind, you're not going to do it. Mm-hmm. So I think it's advantageous to bring it up at multiple points during your learning education trajectory because when the patient's crashing you're not going to be thinking about it when you're up for 24 hours you're not going to be thinking about it and then it kind of falls down Mm -hmm. to the bottom of the priority list any way we can to reinforce the idea that this is important in caring for people not just patients Mm -hmm. is valuable that's amazing that says it all right yeah the more I've done palliative care and talking to people, there are times where no matter how hard you try, there are just really tough situations. And you watch yeah. these very challenging deaths. And I don't want learners to think that if they had done something different, that that would definitely not have mm. happened. Because I think you can have all the skills in the world. And there are just some situations that are challenging that we can't make better the way we hope Mm -hmm. but you can always make a difference by you know not running away from the room and not avoiding and so I think it's being present and being curious and asking the questions that go beyond just the physical absolutely thank you for listening to the first season of about empathy we would love it if you could rate and review our podcast and please tell your health professional your colleagues and your friends about our show We hope the story that you heard today has inspired you to engage in compassionate, authentic, and empathic interactions. You can visit our website aboutempathy.com for more information and to read the show notes from today's episode. You can also be part of our research project. We're conducting a short three-minute anonymous survey to inform us on the content you get out of each episode. Visit our website aboutempathy.com and click on the Take Survey button in the top right corner.
About Empathy is a Kickback Productions podcast hosted by Giovanna Siriani, Doris Akracha, and Irene Ying. Recorded and produced by Jackie Skinner, with additional production and writing by Laura Takahashi. Music by Jerry Finn and Jackie Skinner. The podcast is recorded on-site at Wellspring and funded by an education, research, and scholarship grant through Sunnybrook Health Sciences Centre. Visit us at aboutempathy.com.